Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Welcome into episode number 47 of From the Braves Booth, alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chadwick. Ben Ingram here with you. And we're jumping in the saddle for our first uh, first podcast in a while. And we wish we could have put one out before now, but a lot has happened since our last episode. So glad to have you with us. Our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. Bravesbooth at gmail.com. Joe, how you doing? I'm great. I really am great. And uh, thank you, Jay Chad. H2O, that life-giving liquid. Um I'm looking forward to tonight. I'm looking forward to uh, Strider working tonight and being back on what I would call uh, the normal bubble, you know, yeah. meaning meaning the team's not on the bubble, meaning when you're looking at your level that you're trying to find out if your picture's level, if your table's level, whatever, and the bubble's in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Our bubble's going to move to the middle tonight with one of our guys we're going to be counting on to start in the postseason and I think that's going to make a huge difference for what we watch tonight. Yeah, level everything out. That's what you're looking for. Here's a number. I'm gonna. I've got the Snit report coming up in about an hour and ten minutes. This is what I'm going to lead with. With him, Strider, when he's on the mound this year, the team's 23 and six. And of all the numbers we could give you on Spencer, that might be the most impressive because he wins. The team wins with him on the mound. Yeah, and he gives you a chance to win. You hear pitchers talk about that all the time. Uh, I didn't have my best stuff tonight. I uh, tried to hang around and give us a chance to win. That's what's important to them. That's what's important to the team is give us a chance to win. Hang in there. Even if you get off to a rough start, bear down, and we'll see, figure out some way to win. And Strider has done a good job of that. I would add on to those numbers you just gave is that he's never lost to the Phillies in the regular season, mm-hmm. 7-0. and Yes, yeah, 7-0 and uh, has dominated them. A 156 ERA in seven appearances versus Philadelphia. And going back to uh, last year, his last five starts versus the Phillies, that would be three this year and the last two he had against them last year, 50 strikeouts. So that's seeing them over and over again and still getting swing and miss stuff. Yeah, this team has changed a little bit. The Phillies have in terms of their approach. Uh, They're not quite as overly aggressive in swing and miss as they were. Uh, And they've acquired guys like Trey Turner who can put the ball in play, even though he was bad at that in the first half of the season. Uh, they're a little. Their approach is a little different, and sometimes they're very aggressive early in the count. Excuse me, early in the count to cut down on their strikeouts. I know they did that last night some too. So we'll see how it fa- how they fare against Spencer tonight. And the Braves face Christopher Sanchez this evening. So this is the second game of this series. We'll wrap up this series tomorrow with an early game. Uh, so that'll be Bryce Elder going for the Braves. And then we head to D.C. for the last road trip of the year. There'll be four games there. And then right back home versus the Cubs for four? Three. Three. 
I have a day off Monday. Ah, that's right. That's right. And, and then, then three with the Nats. Right. Okay. So, you know, and you lose four in a row, especially this time of the year. People tend to panic. And there, to me, there's no reason to do that. Do I have any concerns? Of course I do. But it has nothing to do with what we're seeing right now. My concerns are, what is this team going to do come the postseason? How will they look after five days off that they're going to have? How is this pitching going to stand up with what, they're, what the demands are of the postseason? So I, I think you're going to see... Uh, a better effort tonight, and I think there is the possibility of really getting on a pretty positive swing between now and the end of the season, given who you play, given that you'll see the Nationals seven uh, of the final ten games, I believe it is, and then the Cubs as they've been scuffling. So there's a chance to really get into a good swing of things. But my concern is more so, what is that going to look like for that first round? Uh, I think all of your concerns are legitimate. I think um, uh, we talked about this at great length last night with uh, various people who stopped by the booth about uh, you win a division, whether you're the Braves or the Dodgers. Same thing happened last year. Both those teams were the one and two seeds, so they got five days off, and guess what? They both got eliminated early. Yeah. Uh, they, they had, in my opinion, there's too much time off that actually penalizes the division winners. Uh, you had a good idea. And I'm sticking with this right now. You made some other good points, but this scheduling thing, uh, you made a good point that, you know, if you get in as a wild card, you don't deserve any breaks. No. You know, play. If you if the season ends Sunday, you go play Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday if necessary. It's on it's on you to win two in a row and get a day off Wednesday before the, the series starts and the division series on Thursday. So I, I wish the commissioner, I wish Major League Baseball would address that that this they're not doing division winners a favor here not at all my, to me and this is the example that i use when we had this conversation yesterday if you're a wild card team you should be treated like you're coming through the losers bracket of a tournament yeah and and for let's just use the phillies and the diamondbacks for example let's say that they're playing each other in the wild card round and let's say that the phillies are the host team and it's the best two out of three the season ends on sunday october the first Game one, in my opinion, between those wild card teams, those wild card rounds, should be the very next day, October the second, Monday. Play that day. Play game two Tuesday. If game three is necessary, play Wednesday. And whomever emerges and takes best two out of three, you go to uh, the division winners' town and you play the very next day after that. Right. So instead of waiting till Saturday, if you're the Braves, you would be playing on Thursday. And and I know that's still some time off. But it's not five days off. No. It would be three days off. Um, and, and to me, if, if you don't like it, go win your division. Yes. There, there should be a prize for winning your division, and wild cards teams, in my opinion, should be at, at a disadvantage. Well, and this year, last year, it was the American League that had to deal with it. Now it switches over to the National League. The Braves will have five days off. They will play Saturday. Then they'll have Sunday off. And then they'll play Monday in the best three out of five so you're going to play one day in a week and that is very detrimental to a ball club that's used to playing every day and especially with this lineup the Braves have these guys are out there every day they don't want any time off and um, it's it's unfortunate that that's the way it is the day off on Sunday in the division series is 
all dictated by television. Yeah, which is a shame. I mean, you're in, in the controls at Major League Baseball, and you decide that you want to put your best teams at a disadvantage. You really want the Braves, the Dodgers, the Astros, and the Orioles, or the Rays, whomever finishes up with the best record over there. You want to disadvantage those teams? And I understand there's the argument that, that it didn't bother the Astros last year, and, and I get that. Um, but there are two teams on the National League side of things that never really got things going again, the Dodgers no. and the Braves last year. And I'd imagine that'll happen every year when you give teams five days off. Yeah, I, I don't like it, and uh, I don't know what remedy there is. I'm sure that when they laid out this schedule a couple of years ago, they thought, man, you're going to you're gonna get five days off if you win your division and have one of the two best records in your league. What a great thing. No, it's not. No. It's uh, – poorly conceived it's got to be adjusted i think and i'm with you 100 percent that if you get in as a wild card you got to play yeah you got to play every day to me there's too many teams that do get in and i know that's not an argument that i'm going to win because there's more money to be made and more games and um, more television and things like that but if you're going to open it up for more teams as there are more teams getting in now than ever then you got to have those teams go play you got to go play because you can't have your best team sitting around for almost a week. That just isn't right, if you ask me. No. Um, also, between now and the end of the season, I think it's going to be interesting to see what the Braves do when it comes to lining up everybody. And that's one of the luxuries that you have of clinching as early as the Braves did was you get to go all the way to the first game and backtrack it to who you want to go win and then line things up. And I don't expect any surprises. I mean, I'm pretty sure we're expecting max one Spencer two, Charlie three. That's my guess, um, and, and that's anything outside of that would be pretty shocking. Yeah, and I think that uh, for Bryce Elder, uh, I'm just guessing here. I don't have any inside info. Uh, I'm just guessing that if one of the starters, you know, didn't go more than two or three innings, maybe he's the guy. Maybe yeah. he's the long guy that comes in and pitches the rest of that ball game to save the bullpen a little bit. I don't know. That's just speculation. But um, my guess is that Bryce will be in the bullpen for that reason. Um, and then he might, if, they, if the team advances to a best-of-seven series, then he might get a start. That would be one of the few advantages of having the extra off days in the division series. You could use starters at the back end as yeah. long-relief guys. Yeah. Uh, you, you might want to because otherwise he might not even get any action in. Well, it, let's try to find a silver lining in all these days off, and that is for the bullpen, in my opinion – that um, once you get some things settled, as you said, uh, Jesse Chavez, uh, thankfully, coming back tonight. Uh, we'll see how, how, he, how he fares. He's going to have to get his sea legs under him, you know, two or three outings. But it's just a, a very great thing, in my opinion, that Jesse's back and ready to go after his leg injury. Um, beyond that, who all – there's like some – I know Nick Anderson – Colin McHugh and, and uh, oh, Daysbo Hernandez. And Hernandez all went to Gwinnett to start rehab assignments tonight. Man, oh, man. I hope those guys are all healthy. Yeah. I mean, if they, those, that's another nice shopping aisle to find some guys for your bullpen here the last two weeks uh, because it's needed. Right now, there is, um, again, this is Joe's, just Joe's opinion, just drastic inconsistencies in the bullpen to the point that, Brian and Rick Kranitz, not sure who to go to right. in the 6th and 7th and 8th inning. They know who's go to in the ninth inning with the lead, but depending on who's hot and who's not, not sure which guy to tap on the shoulder and say, okay, your turn. Mm-hmm. And uh, because sometimes the inconsistencies can eat the Braves up. 
you're looking at a post-game scenario, or a, a post-season scenario, I should say, and you're trying to line up who you'd like to have 7th, 8th, ninth. Let's never mind the first six innings, but just 7th, 8th, ninth. Let's say it's a, it's a one-run lead or something like that. Who are your three guys that you'd like to see in those roles where you feel like, here are the roles for these guys. Should, be we, should we be leading games late in the postseason game? Well, you start in the ninth and work back, and that's going to be Iglesias, of course. Rysel's earned that, and he's certainly a guy that I do trust. Yeah, uh, He's had his, a bad outing or two. He had a couple back-to-back, uh, which was a rarity for him on the last road trip. But I trust him, and he would be my guy in the ninth. The seventh and eighth would be dictated by who's up for the other team. You know, is it Do I need a lefty in there, or do I want to go with a right-hander? And right now, the way A.J. Mentor's pitching, I trust him. Mm-hmm. He's really come on here at the end of the year. He's pitching well. He's pitching better against right-handers than he actually is against lefties. His numbers, look it up. They're, they're much better. Uh, and I like Pierce Johnson. Pierce's curveball is tough. It's hard. And, and I trust him. Um, those three guys right now are probably at the top of my list uh, with Kirby Yates uh, and uh, Joe Jimenez yeah. uh, circling circling right in that area as well but those are the three guys right now that I trust the most I'm right there with you and and I think it's that there's a very fine line here because when it gets to the postseason uh, obviously you need good stuff out of your starters if you don't get that it doesn't matter what else you have you're not going to win so you need those three starters that we were talking about to be really really good if they can get you six or more innings that's great then if you can turn that lead over to the seventh with the guys you're talking about, you feel good about those last nine outs. But right there in between, kind of getting from that starter to uh, those guys that we mentioned, I think that's where it's really beneficial, and hopefully he's really good, to get a guy like Jesse Chavez back. Uh Because the thing that Jesse can do, number one, he throws strikes, but number two, he can go multiple innings. So if you needed him to get four outs, you could to link it to your elite relievers, seventh, eighth, ninth. Uh, More elite relievers, I guess you might say. Uh, than, than the other options that you might have. To me, that's my biggest concern come the postseason is that spot right there and giving a lead to some of those guys at the back end. We saw this team this month. This wasn't two months ago. This month, go to L.A., take three out of four. Go to Philly, take three out of four. And a big part of that was handing leads to those guys, and they did a great job in they a tough sure environment. Yep. So to me, that's um, – I don't think the Braves have quite as many starting options as some of these other teams, but you have enough to win. But those guys, there's really no margin for error. Those guys have to be really good and hopefully getting the lead, one run, ten runs, whatever it may be, to those guys at the back end. And it goes without saying, that, and this is something we preach about every year in the postseason, a walk is a rally. You just can't walk, uh, guys. You've yeah. got to throw strikes, and you can't tiptoe around guys you've got to throw strikes make them put the ball in play uh even at the risk of them hitting the ball hard somewhere uh it's it's so much so much more demoralizing when you start walking guys and then then somebody hits one yes you know and that happened last night so um anybody that you trust to come in and throw strikes like you mentioned with jesse man that goes a long way for who you who you give the nod to in certain situations yeah when it comes to the postseason, it's um, it's interesting how we look at this because we all have very high expectations. And in the last two years, to me, we've seen the best it can possibly be in winning a World Series. And in my opinion, the worst it can possibly be. Losing in the division around is, I mean, that's just the worst. Because you go into it, you're so excited, you're optimistic, and then like that, the whole thing's over within a matter of days. Um, 
I know that there are some people who are probably looking at this team and thinking it's World Series championship or bust. I don't think I'm quite there yet. If you can get to the NLCS, then who knows what happens. If you get to the World Series, anything can happen at that point. But I think first things first, for what this team has accomplished to this point, if you can't at least win one round, then it's going to be extremely disappointing. Let's back up to 21, uh, World Championship year. I didn't go into that postseason um, thinking that this team was going to win the World Championship. Yeah, I thought they were good and they were competitive. They were they they pitched well and we had a good bullpen. Man, we had some guys that really came on at the end of the year and solidified their spots in the bullpen. And when we did have good games, man, they pitched lights out. And that's how we kept advancing. And we take on the mighty Dodgers in the NLCS. And everybody knows that they knocked us off in 2020 down in Texas in the COVID year. We had them down three games to one, and they still came back and beat us. So that's kind of that's still lingering in the back of my mind anyway. And lo and behold, we knock them off in yeah. six games, I think. Mm-hmm. And then we go to Houston and beat them. All of those advances kept strengthening my confidence in the team and the resolve that they had that they could do this without Ronald you know they they did all of that without Ronald Acuna right and they did it with new guys they all chipped in so just picture that feeling you we had going into 21 and how it all wound up and then we go to last year last year was a good year for the last two months that's it I mean we didn't get to 500 till August and here we got we get put on a furious rally to chase down the Mets. And in some ways, maybe we needed the five days off at the end of the regular season because in some ways, I think the team was probably mentally and physically worn to a nub. You know, they did a great job of winning the division. And now it's like five days later, okay, let's let's start over. We've got to start a new season over. And maybe they were just used up and uh-huh. tired. And Ronald again was not himself. He did not have a good year coming off his knee surgery. It still wasn't 100%. He wasn't 100%. Here we are now. Run away with the division. I mean, walk away with it. We're going to win 100 games no matter what anybody says. And this team has three, two or three MVP candidates. Mm-hmm. Everybody's setting all kinds of records. So the expectations are high, very high. But what does this – what does this time off at the end of the season what's it going to do to this ball club who like to play every one of these guys like to play I I think I I said all that to say this there's different ways that mentally we look at this and say I hope we I hope we do well I hope we win like in 21 man Mm -hmm. we, we won oh my gosh we won again maybe we can maybe these guys can do it just like Jock Peterson said yeah you know um so th- you have to temper the expectations because when you get to the postseason, no matter how many games the 23 team wins, it's a new ball game in the postseason. Anything can happen. People call it a crapshoot. It is uh, because you never know who's going to step up for different teams. Uh, I, d- I like this ball club. I love this team. I love watching the Braves play. In the postseason, sometimes it's different when you're trying to score eight or nine runs a game. Mm-hmm. It's a crapshoot now more than ever, like, and, and this is just this is just how 
numbers work, the more teams you get in, the more random the outcome is going to appear. Yeah. And, and that's that's where we are. We have more teams now than ever. So when when last year when, when you got um, a Padres-Phillies NLCS and everybody's going, wow, this is so random. The, the three teams that won 100 games, they didn't even get to the NLCS. It's not random. The more teams you get in, the, the more the odds increase for – Chaos. Especially in short series. Yes. And that's what we got last year. And you had three teams with 100 wins, and none of them advanced to the championship series in the National League. So there's no exact science for this. Every year, and, and I've learned this just by experiencing the last three or four years, it's it's completely different every single year. And it, it's you can't look ahead to, well, I hope we get this team so we can get that team in the championship series or the World Series. Whoever you get in the division series – you got to go beat that team. Yeah. And then if you can do that, then it's, okay, who do we have after that? And let's see what happens. Uh, but you can't just line the whole thing up and expect that to happen. I'm not sure I, I said it uh, too eloquently a minute ago, but my point of 20, 21, 22, and now 23 is it doesn't matter how many games you win in the regular season. Yeah. It really doesn't. Everybody says, I just want to get in the tournament. Yeah. And that's right. Especially – and I'll, and I'll brag on the Phillies, especially if you're the Phillies like they did last year, wildcard team, and they went all the way to game six or something of the World Series. And they did it with pitching. Yep. They did it because they had three world beaters who could go out there in any series and shove it. And they, and they can do it again. And they've actually got a little more depth with Taiwan Walker now. Uh, but when you've got Wheeler, Nola, Suarez, man, that's three – Three world beaters right mm-hmm. there. They can beat anybody anytime. And that's the case with just about every team that you're talking about. It's not random. They've got some they got some studs at the top of yeah. the rotation, more than likely. Yeah. There might have been other reasons. They didn't win the division, injuries, bad lineup, whatever. But they got pitching and they can go in a short series and beat anybody anytime. And it's who are you right now? Yes. And um not that we didn't already know that, but we certainly learned that two years ago. <laughs> Because there are other teams. I remember the way that the the Dodgers and the people who covered that series in the NLCS were looking down on the Braves. Well, they only had 86 wins. That didn't matter. Didn't matter. What, what they were in April, May, and June, it didn't matter. It doesn't have any who bearing. Who are you right now? Yeah, has no bearing on, on who's going to win the world championship. It has to do with who's hot, who's not. It has to do with your starting pitching and who's ready to go, who's healthy, and who can pitch. The Dodgers are in really bad shape pitching-wise. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not criticizing at all. I'm just laying it out there. The reality of what the, we do. They they know it, too. Uh, when they're talking about Bobby Miller being their first or second pitcher in the division series, and, and he would be for me, too. He's, yeah. he's darn good. But they've got uh, so many guys. Gonsolin, um, who's the redheaded guy? Is it Gray? No. Tur- uh, Dustin May. May. Um, and then um, – uh, oh, and Bueller. They're not getting Bueller back. Right. They're and then really, Urias. And Urias gets kicked out. Um, man, oh, man. They're searching right now. And they'll figure it out. They'll figure out a way to run some good guys out there. And certainly Kershaw would be a factor, too. But they're hurting. Yeah. You look at their ball club right now, they're going to welcome some days off maybe to get everybody lined up the way they want. So it, it doesn't matter. They're, they are going to win 100 games. Mm-hmm. It's not going to matter. Mm-hmm. Because they got problems, and everybody kind of looks at it the same way, I think. Yeah, and if I'm the Phillies or, or another team like them, I'm not worried because, like you said, get in, 
and let's see if we can get hot at the right time. Phillies have had bullpen issues, yeah. and they've had some injuries to their bullpen. They are trying to get lined up, and they are beginning to. Uh, we saw some guys last night throwing the heck out of the ball and doing a great job for them that were not doing that three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So they're, they're trying to get a few guys lined up, and I think that would be the case with a lot of ball clubs trying to get their bullpens ready. Anything else you want to touch on before we dive into these questions? Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, let's talk about the lineup for just a minute. Um, we brag on them, and we talk about these guys and how good they've been all year long and how much we've enjoyed watching them play. But what they're doing is unprecedented. And up and down the lineup, I know there's some guys fading here at the end of the year, and that's no surprise. RSC is struggling a little bit. Both catchers are struggling. Uh, demanding positions, both, all three of those guys play demanding positions, and it wears them down a little bit. But give them credit, man. They go out there every day. They give you 110%. Um, this lineup is as good as I've ever seen. It's mm-hmm. certainly the best Braves lineup I've ever seen. And uh, I hope I, I hope they do well in the postseason. Certainly I want them to win, and I want them to win the World Series just to kind of put an exclamation point on what they've done so that people – We'll look back and realize they were damn good. Yeah, because it's like we discussed the other day. What this team has done through 150 games, statistically, it's been done. They, they've accomplished all that. Now what will the legacy be? Yeah. Will they be a team that, well, that 2023 team put up a ton of runs, disappointment at the end, but, man, they set some records. Or can they cement themselves as one of the best teams of all time? Statistically, they've done that. If they can have success in the postseason, if they can go to the, if they could win the World Series, if they win the World Series with what they've done, what their resume has been over the course of the season, the numbers they put up, they could they could be in the argument for one of the greatest teams in the history of the game. No doubt. But that's all in front of them. Yep. Whatever their legacy is, that's to be decided. But the number, the foundation of that argument is there if they can go on and win more in October. Mm-hmm. Pretty amazing. I, I think it'd be a wonderful cherry on top of everything else they've done all season long, and they deserve it. Yeah, definitely. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. Bravesbooth at gmail.com, and hopefully we can have another podcast or two between now and the end of uh, the World Series. That would be wa- uh, wonderful, and obviously they can be in those games. That would be uh, a, a lot of fun for all of us. Uh, let's start off with this question, This and JC's going to join us, as he always does. This is from John. How wild was the plane ride to Miami last Wednesday night? And... Um, it was a little rowdier than normal. I feel like we, we hung around Philly for a while, a lot of partying in the clubhouse, and you and I were in Snit's office just enjoying the time. But it was it was a fun flight, that's for sure. Yeah, it was. And uh, not atypical of any other uh, flight I've been on after a celebration where it kind of continued on the plane and everybody was lighthearted, and especially since there was a day off the next day. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, we, we needed that day off, which was good. Um, if the playoffs started today and not considering matchups, and we talked about that, who would you pitch in the seventh, eighth, and ninth? That's from Claire. We talked about that with starting at the back end with Iglesias and Mentor and, and others. 
Um, here's a good one. This is from Keith. Who do you think the rotation – what do you think the rotation will look like for the NLDS? That's from Keith. And, Keith, that it's like we were discussing a little while ago, one, two, three. If it's not Max Spencer and Charlie, one, two, three, we'll be stunned. And with the off days that you have, you could use Elder, Wright, Jesse, whomever to piggyback off a starter and get four, five, six outs if you had to. But that's probably what we're expecting. Yeah, that's what – I think that uh, that would be everybody's guess right now. Uh, of the teams in the wild card hunt, who do you all want to see the Braves play the most in the NLDS? That's from Drew. Drew, I would like to see somebody from – the double a southern league it's in the wild card let's <laughs> get play huntsville <laughs> I, the braves are getting a bye to the division round i just soon have a bye into the nlcs because yeah. like ben said a while ago anything can happen and any of them that the braves uh, have to deal with they're going to be tough yeah they will I, I know how jc would answer this question he's looks he's looking at the at the booths that would be good versus the ones that would be bad honestly i mean this when i say it i don't care because if you're going to reach the ultimate goal, you're going to have to go through all these teams anyway. So if you get a matchup that maybe you don't think is as favorable in the first round, if you beat them, you've eliminated them and you move on. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't mind seeing some team that we haven't seen a ton of, and you don't get to choose that. So if, if I said I'd – I don't really want to see the Phillies. That has nothing to do with the matchup. I just we, We've seen them so many times. I just wouldn't mind something fresh. Give me Arizona or Chicago or Cincinnati. They would say the same thing. Yeah, probably so. Yeah. Uh, this is from um, Bobby. On a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you guys about this less-than-stellar stretch the Braves are currently on? My concern for what we're on right now is low. Mm-hmm. My concern, and, and I would be saying this, Bobby, if the Braves had won 10 straight ball games, my concern is for what we were just discussing in the division series, what the pitching looks like in the division series, what the lineup looks like after all the days off. That's my biggest concern. It's not fun to lose four straight games. I'm not any more concerned about the losing four straight now as I was when they dropped four straight in July. Big deal. That happens. Um, I expect them to win tonight, and I, I think you can – uh, I think you can finish the season on a pretty high note given the schedule that you have the rest of the way. So what we're in right now doesn't necessarily bother me. Yeah, and I would say uh, the only one that bothered me was getting the crap beat out of the Braves down in Miami, that 16-2 to yeah. two game. That wasn't fun. Um, but I, I can promise you that the team brushes that off and says, okay, let's go home and win a game. Yeah, I'll, I'll give this to Bobby. If you lose tonight 5-4, yeah. that's disappointing. But if you lose again tonight – eight to one yeah that's concerning what's going on yeah yeah i'd say my current level is probably a two i think there's reason to maybe raise your eyebrow a little bit but how nice is it to be in a position to where you still have a three and a half game lead for home field through the nlcs and like yeah you want to win every night but the fact that they've struggled the last four games i'm not going to say it doesn't matter but it's not really costing you much no so get it out of the way now yeah. It's from Veronica in Virginia. When the Braves win the World Series again, will Joe get the call this time? Ben, congrats on your award. You're the best. And because he's the best, no, I will not. <laughs> and Unless it's in the 13th inning yeah, or something. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah. But, uh, no, Ben is the guy. Ben will get that again. Yeah, well, whatever, whatever format we use now, we'll use that down the road and all that. And, um you know what am I? I've thought about this. I've never asked you about this, but I've thought about this time to time. Um, game 
six, I believe it was, in Houston, the game we won the World Series, you reached out. It was, it was so funny to me, as if you had to ask for such a thing. But you asked, you, could I do an inning? And I'm like, absolutely. And you did an inning of, of the World Series play-by-play. And that was so much fun to be able to do that like we would normally do it during the regular season. But getting to hear you call play-by-play for a World Series game. Because in the postseason, I do all the play-by-play. We kind of right. do our our roles where I'm all play-by-play and you're all color. But I just loved getting to turn those gears over to you for a World Series inning. That meant a lot to me. And getting to see you do that was pretty awesome to share. meant a lot to me. I, you know, you never know if you'll ever be there again. Yeah. And I, I just it thought I thought to myself – I don't think he'd mind, but I'm going to ask, and I'd like to do one. Hopefully, so we'll get happy. to do that again. Yeah, that'd be great. Maybe Jay Chad. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I mean, his game 162 this year might be so good that we have to put him on the World uh, Series broadcast. Just, just kind of a prerequisite for the yeah, World. Have you been thinking much about that? Let's it's coming. Pump the brakes a little bit here. We're less than two weeks. <laughs> from, we're less than two weeks from your your half inning of play by play. Your annual inning of play by play. It's coming up. I'll be honest. I have not thought about it much. Uh, in the clunker in Miami on Sunday. Joe looked down at me at one point during the game and wanted me to come down and do a half inning. And uh, part of me part of me said, you know what, why not? But I didn't feel like um, I was probably prepared to do that mentally in that moment, so I didn't. But I'll be ready to go game 162. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're fired up about it. So are the fans. Yeah. You know what, if, if the Lord came to me and said, I'm going to grant you whatever you'd like for this Braves team this year, I'd say, let me have two things. Number one, one more World Series. And number two, in game 162, can the Braves hit the record home run yeah. in Jay Chad's inning, number 308, and he gets to call it. That'd be great. Could you imagine the looks on faces next time they did <laughs> Diamond Gems in the stadium and it was me calling a home run? <laughs> <laughs> uh. Entertainment's the name of the game. That's what we're doing. That'd be great. This may seem like a silly question, but for batting practice, are they just meatballs being thrown, or do they try to practice different pitches that they might struggle with? Do you think guys could do something like hard knocks for the season? Do you think it would be like a distraction? I find the behind the scenes what makes baseball very fascinating. That's from Elizabeth Chapon. Tell us about BP, Joe. Uh, lay it in there. All I want you to do is lay it in there and let me swing and work in. If I've got something I need to work on, I don't want you throwing me any sinkers, cutters, curveballs, knuckleballs. Uh, even if that guy that night is going to be throwing me curveballs, I don't want to see one. I want to get my swings in. I want to feel good about myself coming out of the cage and with some confidence, and that's it. See ball, hit ball. See it. Just lay it in there for me, please. And about hard knocks, uh, you'd have to ask the players about that. Um I would guess they would vote no. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted to do something like that over spring training, you could probably do a little bit of that. And in some ways, the Braves have done a very nice job the last few years with that series they put out every spring behind the Braves. Behind the Braves, yeah. It's really fun to watch and understand um, the fans crave that sort of thing, and I think they do a really nice job. But something that follows them kind of any more than that may be a little That might be as close as you get. Let me go back to to, – if they are struggling with a pitch, they can work on that in the cage under the stadium right next to the clubhouse. They can set up pitching machines to throw breaking balls, and they can work on stuff like that then as opposed to doing it out on the field. Yeah. Uh, this is a good one. Um, it says, hi, guys. Love the show. I think everyone who follows baseball knows about the MVP battle between Acuna and Betts and to some smaller extent Olsen and Freeman. So I'd love 
your updated thoughts on that. But there also doesn't seem to be a clear leader for the NL Cy Young Award. Spencer Strider could uh, be two excellent starts from a ser- from serious consideration. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? And that's from Paul in Macon. And I think Paul's right on when it comes to the MVP. To me, it's Acuna. I mean, Betts had a really great month of August. He's had a really great season. But And I'm not just saying this because we see Acuna all the time. But if you just compare the numbers top to bottom, Acuna's been the best player in the National League. He mm-hmm. just has. So he's, to me, hands down the award winner. For the Cy Young, that's going to be interesting because what's important to you? Are, is ERA important to you? Do, do a bunch of walks bother you? That'd be a deterrent on Blake Snell. Uh, what about strikeouts, a, a dominant pitcher? What are you looking for? Because I think you, there's a pitcher that kind of fits all those different things that you might be looking for between Steele, Snell, Strider, and you could throw in a few others. Uh, I agree. I agree. I Last year, 21 wins wasn't enough to win a Cy Young for Kyle Wright. Yeah. So there's other uh, categories that people put a lot more weight on than just wins. Um, I I think it'll be one of three or four guys, and you mentioned them all, Steele, Snell, and Zach Gallon, along with yeah. Spencer. Uh, maybe it depends on who finishes up the best because those votes are supposed to be in before the postseason begins. Right, right. If you had to make me guess right now, I, I'd guess they'd go with Steele cause just because he's been really solid here down the stretch, and he's got really good numbers. Snell is right there, but he's got a bunch of walks. Um, Spencer, the deterrent, people will point at the ERA and say, well, it's closer to four ERA, but he's leading the league in wins, and he's leading the league by a lot in strikeouts. He's the most dominant pitcher yeah. in the league. So, I don't know. It depends on what the, what's important to the writers. I like Gallon a lot. Yeah. I think Zach Gallon will be right there when it's all said and done. This is from uh, Shadron, and I think this is a really good question. Hey, Joe, Ben, and Jay Chad, we love the podcast and listen together as a family. Love getting to learn more about you all, the game, and our favorite team. With this Braves team being so exceptional and breaking all these franchise and MLB records, we often hear different broadcasts talk about different eras of baseball. Could you please define the years and what those are, specifically the modern era, the statistical era, or StatCast era, and the golden era? And that's from the Long family in Fairview, North Carolina. All right, here you go. Modern era, and and we've been using this a lot here lately. The modern era is from 1900 up until today. Uh, The American League and the National League became what they are now in 1901. That's when the American League started, and I think they've used that as a line of demarcation between what things were like in the 1800s and the the more modern era that we see today. So if you hear something, it's the first time since the modern era, that's from 1900 on. If you hear somebody say this is the first time since the dead ball era – the dead ball era ended in 1920, and there are a couple of reasons for that, but they would use the same ball the entire game. Yeah. And by the time you get to an end of a game, a game, a ball would be, I mean, warped and dingy and just dirty. Didn't fly right. Yeah. Um, so they decided in 1920, after the, the death of, was it Carl Mays that hit? Uh, uh, Chapman. Yeah, yeah. Ray Chapman hit Carl uh, Mays. Uh, or who? Forgot who the pitcher was and who the batter Mays was. Mays hit Chapman. Mays hit Chapman. And, and he dies only casually in our yeah, game on the right. field. And baseball at that point decided that we need to have new white round balls put into the game regularly. So that started in 1920. So that's the dead ball era, which is pre-1920. And then, of course, Babe Ruth started hitting all these home runs in 1920 yep. at the end of the dead ball era. Yep. So dead ball era is 1920 till now. The stat cast era is 2015 to the present day. And that's when they started tracking – 
the home run distances and the exit velocities and um, spin rate and all those technological advances that you can bring into the game that we will use time to time. So that's the StatCast era. But And, and I think this last one, Joe, and you can throw this at the golden era, uh, that might be more subjective than anything. I don't know that there's a definitive – I mean, 40s, I, 50s, 60s? I, I want to, and I may not be correct on this, but I want to attach this to the 40s, 50s, and 60s, primarily the 50s. Uh, New York had three teams, Yeah, you know, so there was a lot of rivalry there. Chicago, of course, had two teams as well. Uh, it was before the migration west, and uh, the teams were not divided into divisions. Everybody was in one standing right. in the American and National League. So I think... Um, and, of course, there was no interleague play, and you never saw a team from the other league until the World Series. So if you didn't win your league, you didn't go anywhere. Yeah, There was no second Winning round. Winning the pennant was huge. Winning the pennant got you into the World Series. So I think that golden era was probably post-war, you know, 45 to maybe 60. Yeah. A little, maybe a little beyond into the 60s, but somewhere in there. Okay. So there you go. Modern era, 1900 to present. Dead ball era, pre-1920. So this will be the live ball era, 1920 to now. Uh, Statcast era, 2015 to now. And then golden era, post-World War II to early 1960s. Sounds like a good enough enough answer, doesn't it? Yeah. Here's one from Will. And to be honest with you, I didn't even read the question before. I'm starting here. I just read the last line. He says, uh, Ben, Joe, and J. Chad, during last Tuesday broadcast, Smolsky talked about how if he were an infielder, he would intentionally drop a pop fly after the infield fly rule had been called in hopes of confusing the base runners and try to get a double play. So that made me wonder, if an infield fly rule is called and you attempt to catch it and drop it, would that be an error? I assume the base runners advance. That could be ruled an error if you drop the infield fly, blah, blah, blah. He said, I typed this while eating Oreos and drinking RC Cola. <laughs> That's from Will. Um, we appreciate the support, Will, and your, your rally cookies and RC. Uh, John has a good idea, but the batter's automatically out. Doesn't matter if you let it drop or not. He's out, so if you drop it, no harm done. And the point John's trying to make is that maybe the base runners forget that the batter's auto- automatically out and you advance at your own risk. Yeah. That, But you don't have to go anywhere, and he's just hoping to catch somebody unaware of the rule. Mm-hmm. And it could happen. Let me ask you this. I've always had a theory, and you tell me if this is in line or not. Base is loaded, nobody out. Pop up on the infield. Infield fly rule, batter's automatically out. As the ball's up in the air, that's one out. Runner at first base takes off, passes the runner at second base. He's out before the ball comes down. Mm-hmm. And then the ball coming down hits the third base runner on the flies. He's off the bag. <laughs> Triple play before the ball even touches the ground. Oh, that's you great have one. too much time on your hands. <laughs> that is great. I hope I see that one day. If you see that, you've, you've actually seen it all. Uh, that would be awesome. Let's see here. This is from Kyle. Uh, J. Chad, Ben, and Joe love the work y'all are doing. Quick question. Is this year's Braves team the best y'all have ever seen? If not, which is? If they are the best, which team is runner-up? I'm 26, so don't really remember the awesome 90s team, so I'd love to hear your comparisons. Thanks for all the hard work. Enjoy listening to all. Well, here's the thing, Kyle. That They could end up being the best team we've ever seen. I, I think you have to punctuate what they've done 
with postseason success. If they went into the division series and we had a result like last year, people will say one of the best regular season teams we have ever seen. And I think the argument would end right there because the best teams of all time, what do they have in common? They win World Series. Uh, they win the championship. So I think they have done to this point about everything you could do to, to be in consideration, to be in that conversation, but you have to finish it up with some hardware. It gets harder. It's harder these days to win it all. Uh, those great teams that uh, they get compared to, this team gets compared to, whether it's the 27 Yankees or the uh, Big Red Machine, whatever it might be, uh, those teams, the Yankees, for example, again, win the pennant, play yeah. in the World Series. That's it. Uh, the Reds win the win the division, have a playoff, and then go to the World Series. You, you would have there were only two divisions. Uh, it wasn't as hard as it is now, where you could stub your toe mm-hmm. and be a great team and not get there, like is a possibility these days. The '98 Braves team uh, had an awesome lineup like this. Uh, Chipper, Gary Sheffield, McGriff, Javi. Uh, I, I can't remember everybody that was in the lineup, but man, oh man, it was good. And a good team, a, a team with good pitching, shut them down yeah. and beat them. I think it was the Giants. Padres. It was the Padres. I keep saying the Giants, and it's the Padres. They ran into a buzzsaw uh, Padre team because of pitching, and that can happen to any good hitting team too. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think I didn't think anybody could beat the Braves '98 team. Yeah. What do you got, JC? Uh, let's see. Here's one from Trent in the West End. Hey guys, love the show. How many hot dogs do you think you could eat in 24 hours? I'm talking cheap, smallish grocery store <laughs> hot dogs. Condiments are optional. Buns are not. Does the answer change if someone offers you a hundred dollars per hot dog eaten? 24 hours. See, I could I could start strong because I'd be starving and just try to maul as many as I could. But after that, I don't know how – after that first wave, I don't know how many I'm getting in the rest of the day because you're just stuffed after that. If money were involved, that would help. So if you gave me – if you gave me $1,000 a hot dog, I think I could get 25 down in 24 hours. That's pretty good. Um Unlike you, my body's a temple, and so I have to treat it with respect and try not to really indulge in such atrocities for my body. Yes. Uh, it's a great question. Uh, I, I'd i say four. Four in a 24-hour period. Yep, just four. <laughs> two, but they'd be loaded up. They'd have yeah. chili and onions and mustard, and two a day. I don't know that I've eaten 10 hot dogs in the last 10 years. Right. I don't eat many hot dogs. No. I had one in Chicago this year. It's the first one I've had all season. I don't know that I could do um, more than 12. Yeah. I mean, 24 hours is a long time. You didn't eat a Dodger dog in L.A.? I did eat a Dodger dog in L.A. Yeah, You're I right. did too. I had one every night. You did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we were starving right there. Those were some long games. Yeah, it was So big, I've had two this year. That was a big dog too. Sure was. Foot long. I had one in L.A., one in Chicago. The one in Chicago was really good. Um, I've had one eating competition in my entire life. I was on a radio show, and uh, we were trying to see who could eat, eat as many Crystal Burgers as we could in 10 minutes, and, and I hammered everybody. I think I had 15 in 10 minutes, and I was dying. Wow. J.J. had ate a bunch of Arby's one time in a, during the COVID I year. I did. I forget how many. I, I, 
how many uh, roast beef sandwiches? You were hurting. I, it was bad. It was not fun. <laughs> Big mistake. Um, let's see. Which NL East team do you despise the most? That's from Gary. All of them. Equally. Yeah, to, I I enjoy the the Mets rivalry more than any other rivalry. But I mean, look, the Braves have a good rivalry with the Phillies and. If you'd asked me 10 years ago, the, the Nationals would have been up there. 20 years ago, the Marlins would have been up there. So, uh, But to me, it's that Braves-Mets rivalry that's the best. Well, and if you said, which broadcasters do you really despise? We could come up with that <laughs> list pretty quick, too, because there, you know, there'd be some fist fights, and uh-huh. we could take them out. Yeah. Just like we do the TV guys. Boy, the TV guys, people that are rotating in there. They got no, they got no fighters in there. Yeah, we no. clean house. Yeah, poor old Frank Coor. You know, if he was here, he'd just we just whoop up on him. And yeah, not even worry about Brandon. Right, just kind of stiff arm Brandon out He's the in window. The featherweight just kind of push him to the side. Push him to the side, so we'll get to you in a minute. Yeah, but other than that, good grief, <laughs> things have changed over there big time. <laughs> this is a really good question. This is from Justin. Because we might have three different answers with this. What's your favorite time of day at the ballpark? Um, go, Jonathan. Uh, when I first get here. I got here today about 1 o'clock. And when I come in the booth, I have a list of things I do every single day, and I want to try to complete those before the guys get here. And it's just quiet. No one's in the stadium. There's not music blasting your eardrums. And I just like to look out at the field and do my things, and I do it every day, and I love it. Okay. What uh, you, Joe? Mine's a little after that when I get here and uh, get my scorebook all lined up and done uh, to be able to go down. Uh, COVID put a big crimp in our ability to go down and talk to guys in the clubhouse and be around the cage more. Um, but it's coming back, and I like going down there. My favorite time of the day used to be just standing at the batting cage mm-hmm. and watching, listening, and talking to guys. That was it. Yeah, that's, those are all good. I I think I liked those last 30, 40 minutes right before first pitch. Um, you got all your stuff done. My book's done. I typically just finished eating. And at that point, we're just kind of hanging out, and guys will come in here, and we'll chat with scouts or tv guys or former players or opposing teams broadcasters and have a good time and it all leads up to first pitch and the closer we get to first pitch it could be a game in the middle of may it could be a postseason game i get really pumped up every night leading mm-hmm. up to that pitch. it's just fun um and because who knows what we'll see tonight well that that point you're talking about that time you're talking about when this becomes a revolving door coming in and out of our booth uh uh, the subjects, the topics that come up um, are very interesting. Uh, last night, you know, everybody, anybody find that jet yet? <laughs> yeah. you know, has anybody heard of that jet come down yet? Uh, you know, did anybody hear about that flood in Libya? Boy, that was awful. Yeah. You know, oh man, did you guys, Jimmy Buffett died. Yeah. Did you hear about that? Golly. I mean, those are the things we start talking about right before the game's getting ready to start. So we try to catch up on the news a yeah, little bit we do. find out what else is going on in the world it's almost like a barber shop in here just kind of yeah whatever's topical yeah we're all in here talking about it which leads to this question from ann during the season how many hours a day would you say you spend at the ballpark and jay chad's got his beat he might oh. be here nine ten hours yeah he's he's 
Definitely. I feel like we're rolling in 3.34, and we're here to 10.30, We put in an eight-hour day, typically, sometimes a little more. Yeah. You know, tomorrow it'll be a little bit shorter because it's a day game, and day games are just different than yeah. night games. Yeah. Everything's rushed and getting here later, especially for a 12-20 game. What, about, what do you think it is for you, JT? It, it's, I don't know. I, I think probably on average, let's say nine. Some days are yeah. longer, though, that maybe ten. I mean, last week in Philadelphia when they clinched, I got to the ballpark at 10.30 in the morning for a 6.40 game. So that was uh, a long day. Good thing we knocked it out that day. It's a very good thing because uh, selfishly I did not want to have to do that Friday in Miami, and it worked out. Could enjoy the off day, and it uh, was all good. This is from uh, Teresa Cartersville. Hey, guys, love your podcasts and broadcasts. There's nothing like listening to a game on the radio. We agree. I always loved when Pete, Skip, Don, and Joe switch between TV and radio in the middle of the game. Two questions. Would you consider putting out a few podcasts in the offseason? And who was your favorite broadcaster growing up? I grew up in Michigan and loved Ernie Harwell. Man, didn't get much better than Ernie, Teresa. Who would you listen to, Ben? Oh, man. All right, so baseball season, this was pretty routine. Get home from school, and I'd hear about the last four or five innings of a Cubs game on WGN, and it'd be Harry Carey and Steve Stone. And then the Braves game would be that night, and it, I'd get all you guys, uh, Skip, Pete, Don, you, and and I would get probably more of those two telecasts than anything else that I got. Um, during football season, I really liked Ron Franklin. I thought he was a really good football broadcaster for ESPN. Um, a, a lot of um, – when I was growing up back home, Mississippi State had a broadcaster named Jack Crystal. I thought he was terrific. He was on the radio for a long time. Um, I think, I mean, I listened to Jack Buck on the radio some. I remember mm-hmm. able to pick him up and thought that was really awesome. I remember the first time I heard his voice, I was like, man, this guy's great. And then, of course, I don't know, a little bit later, I heard Ben Scully, and I'd get him if I was listening to the World Series or watching the World Series. I, I didn't hear him during the regular season. That wasn't available. Uh, but I'll give you, I'll give you an, another one that I really liked in football was Pat Summerall. Uh-huh. I loved Pat Summerall and Joe Matt or uh, John. Uh, John Madden during the NFL season. I, I thought they were great, but I loved Summerall a lot. Um, those are some of my favorites. I, I loved Mel Allen on This Week in Baseball. I yeah. didn't really get to hear him call games, but I would hear him narrate This Week in Baseball, and I thought it was tremendous. So, those are some of the names that that jump out to me and some of my favorites. I watched a ton of Cub games growing up when I got home from school as well, but. Being born and raised in Atlanta, been in Atlanta my entire life, um, I don't even think I have to really answer that question. Thank you, I I think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I have some guys, uh, but I was um, landlocked in Oklahoma. Uh, St. Louis was the nearest team we had. And um, I've told this story before. You you go to the drive-in movie theater. Riverside Drive-In in in Norman, and we put the speaker in the car, and until it got dark for the movie to start, they had KNOR radio, little little probably eight-watt station in Norman, carrying Cardinal games. So you listen to Jack Buck and Harry Carey do the Cardinal game on the radio until the movie started, and then they'd shut shut that off. That's so good. It's so Americana. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, and then uh, other sports. I'm, I'm with you. I love Pat Summerall. We had a guy. You mentioned the, the fella in, at Michigan State. We had a guy in, in Oklahoma uh, who I'm sure he's in some halls of fame in Oklahoma named Bob Berry. He did everything. He did OU football. He did OU basketball. He did Norman High basketball. Uh, he later did Oklahoma State football and basketball. He was like, he did everything. Yeah. And he was the one that everybody felt comfortable with because he was so good and you knew what you were going to get every night. And on top of that, he was also a sportscaster on the NBC affiliate wow. You know, at nights. So he was well-rounded. He, he was in on everything and a great individual and helped me a lot when I was first getting started. Bob yeah, Barry. Bob Barry. Uh, let's see. We got time for a couple more. Let's see here. All right. How about this one? Um, Jeff, I can't read that question, but yes. <laughs> yes. I had a good time in Miami. Jesse, we can't answer yours either, but yes. <laughs> uh, some of these questions. I, I saw the question from Jeff and just started howling. Uh, ben, Joe, and Jay Chad, a second question for you that maybe you've answered before. Now that we are most of the way through the season, how have the pitch clock um, affected you guys? Ad reads, pitching change hits, on-the-spot analytics, and stats coming from the rest of the press box. There's just so much to get in over what seems like even less time. You do such a phenomenal job. What's the secret sauce? That's from Lee. Um, it, it, it is really – the pitch clock to me – it's been great. Had, it, yeah, well, it, ultimately it's been great, yeah. It has had one major impact, I feel, and that is on if you have uh, a story to tell, a nugget that you'd like to get out over the air, anything that's not game-related in terms of that night's game. If you have a story about a player or a story about a, a team or something like that, you can still get it in, but you have to be extremely strategic about when you start that story and when you get it in. Before the the... the pitch timer you could you still didn't want to start a story with two outs but you could get away with it more times than not uh, at bats would be long pitchers would take a while um, you just felt like you had tons of time and I've always enjoyed that dynamic of our broadcast because you and I will tell stories we'll bounce them off of each other I, I nightly look up things that I think that I want to tell our audience but equally I'm, I'm as excited in bouncing it off of you because uh, I think that's just good radio. We can still do that, but I have to be very strategic about when we do that. Because if if there's more than one out on the board, you you got to hold it. Yeah. And and a lot of times too, when you come back from a break, the most important thing you can do when you come back from break immediately the score. Score's got to be there. People are listening through a commercial break. You got to give them the score immediately. But if you if you got something good, if you got a, a good little nugget. As soon as you finish the score, you need to dive right into that story or else you're going to run out of time and it's just not going to have the same impact. Uh, I think about the story that, that I was telling the other night uh, about um, Derek Shelton's dad playing minor league ball yeah. and he was yeah. a teammate of, of Ron Shelton and all that, the, the, the movie director and producer. Mm -hmm. And I, had, I, I came across that the night before and it was a little bit lengthy, but I knew if I was going to bring this to the air, I had to jump right into it. And, and even still, I, I think I barely got it in in, in the inning. So it, to me, that's the biggest impact on the pitch timer with our broadcast is the, the ancillary stories that you might tell. You, you've got to have uh, a particular – they've got a shelf life if you if – you... 
can understand that. There's certain things um, that I consider uh, what um, basics in the mechanics of radio and doing the game that you've got to stick to. And, and that's one of them. I mean, trying to start a story with two outs, that's always a, a hiccup sometimes. But because of the pitch clock, we now have to kind of violate that. Uh, and, and I'll give you an example. We have uh, sponsor drop-ins to read every half inning. And most of them are pretty short, just a sentence or two to drop in. I don't like and I don't encourage reading them during an at-bat. Mm. Work them in at the beginning of the inning, work them in between at-bats, uh, whatever the case might be, so you're not interrupting the, the pace of play. But I've found in the last couple of years, especially this year with the pitch clock, if there's a foul ball, do it. Yeah, you got time on a foul ball to get it in so you're not disrupting what's happening on the field. There are some things that the pitch clock has uh, caused us to have to adjust to. It even affects calling for legal IDs. Yeah, I mean, to get right. those in. It's, yeah, you're hoping to get a foul ball so you have enough time. But there, there was even a foul ball once this year where I went right into a legal ID and I missed the next pitch. Yeah, I um, mean they just moved so fast. But that's baseball in 2023. We'll talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I got one more that I want to get this one in. Joe, Ben, and Jay Chad staying up late for the Dodgers-Braves game back in South Georgia. Just wanted to express my gratitude for you guys. Joe's voice has been a constant for me as long as I can remember, and the Braves are better for it. Ben, it feels like you've been here forever already, and I hope you're a part of Braves country forever. Jay Chad, and this is the part I really want to get to, we all know how big of a part you play. We also know how much your booth mates respect you when they include your name in every broadcast. I think it's awesome. Keep up the good work, gentlemen. That is from Cam. Yeah, so it's when we come on the air, we want to introduce everybody who's in here because whether you're on the air or not, it's part of what we're doing. Yeah, and it's uh, it's not one, it's not two, it's all three. Yeah. And, and it's all three every time. And we appreciate everybody listening. We appreciate all the kind thoughts in your letters you send to us and questions you send to us. They're all very complimentary, and that's very nice. Absolutely. You got one more, Jonathan? No, I was just thinking the same thing. You, We had seven full pages of questions and couldn't get to every single one, but there were a lot of people with a lot of nice things to say and compliments about the podcast and the broadcast and just know that we read them and we appreciate every single one of you listening. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And um, and we'll try to do another one next week. Yeah, definitely. As, uh, we owe you. Kelly Johnson will be joining us in Washington. So it'll be Kelly, Jay, Chad, and me. But then when we come back, you're on for the rest of the way after that. I am. And we'll do another podcast between now and the end of the season. And hopefully we can do a couple of these. Maybe one. Let's do three in the postseason. An NLDS, an NLCS, and a World Series. I like that idea. That'll be a good plan for everybody? Yep. All right, very good. Well, that'll wrap things up for us. Hope that you tune in tonight, Braves and the Phillies, in the second game of this series. And uh, we'll catch you next time. For Joe, for Jay Chad, I'm Ben. This has been from the Braves booth.